0: Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host,
1: Nick Baldwin. Hey everyone, it's Nick Baldwin. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Rewind, where I sit down with top real estate agents for a conversation about how they overcame obstacles on their way to success. And today we're gonna have tons of fun because I am gonna talk to David Serpa. David's a realtor, an entrepreneur, a combat veteran, and author of a bunch of books, The Machine Gunner's Guide to Real Estate, Accuracy by Volume, All the World's a Stage, Unmasking, Asperger's Syndrome, and Zen Business, An Eastern Approach to the Western Business Climate, which is coming soon. At 33, Years old, David realized he was on the autism spectrum and redesigned his life and his business to honor his design and the design of his family. He enjoys advocating for those that need a voice, playing basketball and music, playing with his family, playing at work, and reading and writing books. He believes today shouldn't be sacrificed for tomorrow, that no one needs our permission for us to forgive them, that life is what happens while you're busy making business plans, and that every person he meets has God within them, and so he treats his business and his life as a spiritual practice. David helps real estate agents throughout the world become agent owners at America's fastest growing real estate company, the cloud brokerage, eXp Realty, where David continues to build his network. David Serpa, I'm so excited that you're on the show, man. I've been, I've been waiting so long to talk to you. How's it going? Brother, I'm really honored to be on the show. I appreciate you having me on. Dude, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I haven't seen you in a while, but um, I always love chatting with you. I want to get deep down and uh, down to the nitty gritty. But before we start, I usually ask people, you know, why they got into real estate, but to, as, to kick it off. But first, I just want to start on this question because you and I read a lot of books and I feel like what? you recently found out that you, uh, you're you on the autism spectrum and, and, you know, I suffer from, from depression and anxiety And I just recently found out that I have ADHD and I find that reading really helps, you know, kind of just like calm me down, keep me in check. So what are some great books that you're reading
0: right now that that people should look into? Okay, I love that we started there. I love that you're ADHD. I love being autistic. I think that there are times that we suffer from these things, but there are other times that we absolutely get an opportunity to to benefit and hone hone ourselves and put these to work for us. So uh, Outwitting the Devil is one of my favorites. But right now, I jump back into a classic by Steinbeck, which is Of Mice and Men. I believe Lenny's autistic, so I'm reading it through new eyes. I uh, am reading Gates of Fire, and I'm also reading a book by Eckhart Tolle called The New Earth. I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fan. And then the next book that I'm jumping into is Writing My Wrongs by Shaka Singor.
1: Wow. Okay, that is quite a collection. So are you like me? Because I have uh, have very limited attention span, right? So I need to mix it up a little bit. So like maybe for a week I'll read one book and then I'll read another book the next week. But then I'll go back to the book I was reading the week before. Do you do that? Because I do that all the time.
0: I literally have a stack of books next to me just around at any given time, because I uh, for a lot of people do that with television shows, they jump back and forth and they tune in and they tune out. And I do that with books. There are great books that have a period in my life where I read it up into a certain point that I say, you know what, I'm not ready to go forward at this point. And then I pick it back up. And I'm like, wow, outwitting the devil had some lessons that I was just wasn't ready for yet.
1: Yeah, you recommended recently, you re- recommended The Alchemist to me, and I have it at home, and it is on the list, and I'm going to get to it, and then we're going to mastermind around that for sure, so I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate that recommendation. That's awesome. Um, so, But I've been into like reading a lot of leadership books, and I recently read a book for Pleasure, which I haven't done in so long. Right now, I'm actually reading Midnight at Chernobyl, which yes. is... Still, it's biography of sort of sorts, but it's for pleasure because it's not a business book. I watched the Chernobyl document, the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I didn't realize all of those things. Yes. So, about the book is about 400 pages, and I'm super excited to keep digging into that. So, when I talk about pleasure, I mean that type of stuff.
0: Right now, I'm reading a book uh, that I just started called The Eye of the World, which is from the Wheel of Time series. And uh, I read all these books by Patrick Rothfuss. I read all the Game of Thrones books. I have to have fiction going at any given time because that's what I enjoy it. It's an escape for me. If I were to only read leadership books, how boring would that be? No, I totally agree. So, we'll spend about two more seconds
1: on this, but I just read a book called I'll be there for you. I I bet you can real I bet you can figure out what it is, what it's about. It's it's a biography about the show Friends and I just found it to be so fun and entertaining because it's one of my favorite shows. I think it's one of everyone's favorite shows and there's so many things that went on behind the scenes that made it so great and fun and entertaining. So I, it wasn't really well-written, but it was just fun, and it just brought my mind to some place that I didn't have to think about life you know, for a little
0: while. And it's nice to have those escapes. You can choose to, to get what you want out of life. You can choose to get what you want out of a book, uh, or you can choose to critique every sentence. You can choose to critique every moment and every day. So uh, there's, you know, I love talking about it and comparing it to literature because people, they look at life and they say, oh, well, what's the meaning of life? well, what's the meaning of a book? Can you get that until the end? And wouldn't the meaning be different for every character?
1: Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but let's move on, let's move on. Um, All right, cool. So David, I love the title of your book, Machine Gunner's Guide to Real Estate. It's super powerful. You are a machine gunner. And I mean, that's just incredible. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for your service to our country. And so you got out of the military and is that when you just got, did you just get into real estate right after that? Or did you kind of do things in between? Oh yeah. So what
0: led you on your path? what, What led you on your path to real estate? So um, I bought my first house while I was active duty in the Marine Corps as a Lance Corporal, which is an E3, low ranking, you know, important, but low ranking. And so I bought my first house and I didn't necessarily have a great experience. A lot of agents condescended to me. They treated me like I was less than. And so I thought, well, you know what, if I could sell one house every other month and I could just help a Marine or somebody to have an experience that I didn't have and make it positive for them, then that would be a good thing. And so I approached it from a place of service. That's, I had no idea that people were ranking each other and that there were numbers and competitions and people were dialing for dollars. I just jumped in. I thought, you know, what I could probably help some Marines buy some houses. But David, aren't you
1: one of the 37 number one agents in Southern California? I am not. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So it's one of those things. I put service first. I want to serve the person in front of me. And so numbers are less important to me. I look at people. I don't look at a bottom line. And so because of that, my life has shifted pretty drastically. There was a time where I was doing the you know, making over $600,000 a year and I had very little to show for it other than high blood pressure and stress and anxiety. And I was burning the candle at both ends and trying to help people that didn't necessarily want to help themselves. But at the end of the day, I needed to help me. I had to get balanced with me because I wasn't willing to look at my problems. And so ultimately I ended up becoming a leader that wasn't worth following.
1: That's wow. That's yeah. What I've always admired about you is that like, you just do you, you know what I mean? And and that's why I follow you because I feel like I just do me. And and if and if someone chooses that I'm not the type of person they want to look at, then fine. But I'm not gonna pretend You know, there's an, I was talking to Carrie Schull the other day about how, how many, how much smoke and mirrors there are in this business and anyone can come up with any numbers and and those numbers can make them feel good. Right. But you know, one of my favorite quotes and I heard Denzel Washington say it is you're never going to see a U-Haul in a funeral procession. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can make all the money you want have all the cool things, but you know what, when you're gone, none of that matters, man. And so I've really started to as well, just kind of appreciate, being with my family and just being comfortable and okay with what i have i got a beautiful wife two awesome kids a house you
0: know what i mean absolutely my dad used to tell me when i was growing up he used to tell me as a way to motivate me there will always be somebody bigger than you there will always be somebody badder than you there will always be somebody better than you and uh and That's true. And I could either continue to um, beat my head up against the wall because, oh, I'm number two in the Temecula Valley. And if I became number one, would I be number one in Southern California? And then if I became number one in Southern California, would it be number one in Northern California? And then would it be good enough in the United States? Somebody will always be doing better than you. And I remember hearing Darren Campbell speak and he said uh, that he was number two in the world for Remax. And he was like who beat me and I think what a tremendous accomplishment to be number two in the world
1: Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's amazing. Okay, so you had a bad experience buying your first house, right? And so you wanted to come from a place of service And that makes sense because you served the entire country, right? So how did you when you first started your real estate career? What was it like your first year? What were the what were some of the mistakes that you made while you're growing your team because you did have a, a very successful team and what was it like getting to that point? And how did you, like you said, you weren't a leader that people wanted to follow, right? So how yeah. did you incorporate that into your business and build your team over time? I became a
0: leader that wasn't worth following. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Uh, right. That's, I what know, I mean, that's okay. It's because I had so much tragedy going on in my own personal life that I had carried with me for so long, burning the candle at both ends. But starting, I made $35,000 in my second month in real estate. I closed seven escrows just by being of service, just by helping people out, holding open houses. And then everybody kept telling me more is the answer. I got introduced to coaching and a broker that says, hey, but you could do more. And you could develop systems and then you could be better. And then eventually uh, you could rest if you develop all these systems. And I ended up going from this place where I really enjoyed just spending time with buyers and serving my clients to this place where I was like looking at like, how much money can I make? And if I make this much money in a month, is that good enough? And so I continued to develop these systems and I continued to believe that everybody else was feeling as egoic and fear driven as I was and needing that validation of you are enough. Right. And so I kept going and I kept pushing and I kept pushing and eventually that's going to break. It's going to break anyone. And, uh, because I'm autistic, I developed special interest and real estate became a special interest of mine. And I just dove 100% into it. It became too much for everybody, including myself. Your body starts breaking down, your schedule starts breaking down and, uh, it wasn't enough.
1: It's amazing because I, I, I haven't known you for that long. I've known you for a few years, but I didn't know you when you first got into real estate. And I remember one time you shared a video for when you first got into real estate and it was quite funny where you were (laughs) mocking affirmations. And it's, it's so, it's so funny because I used to be like that too. Right. And then you start to read and listen to podcasts and you talk to higher level people and you realize just how important those are, but that video is hysterical. And so just seeing that video and, and seeing you now, the growth is incredible. But when you look at affirmations thank you for, for someone who, who isn't familiar with it, it can seem really ridiculous. Right. But it, it, it's definitely yeah. great for your mind and definitely, and definitely helps you. How are, are affirmations that you do helping you right now? I
0: love that question. So, um, I'm, I'm very big at sort of just clearing thought and seeing things for what they actually are versus like giving myself affirming thought. But for so long I was driving myself with a whip. I was saying, Oh man, not good enough. Not good enough. You're not good enough. And it was a voice that did not belong to me that I adopted and continued to beat myself with. And so that voice was there at the finish line. When I accomplished these big goals, it was still there beating me. And so what happened was I dropped that voice because it was no longer serving me. And I stopped looking for things like, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be this. And I said, you know what? That may or may not be the goal. But what is the goal for me is seeing things for what they actually are. I now... And this is a quote from Napoleon Hill. I don't pray for the things that I don't have. I pray to be grateful for the things that I already have, to recognize that which I already have. Like you said, you have two children. I have five children in my life that are all looking up to me. I have a beautiful wife. I have a, a dog that's still holding on after 14 years. I had burger delivered to my house from five guys a few minutes ago. I'm going to go out to Utah and visit my family. We just won Battle of the Bands last week. All we do is have fun. Life is good. Dude, the best part about that is that
1: you just had five guys delivered to your door. And I'm, I'm so
0: jealous now. That's right. People complain all the time about, oh, this modern day era and all these things that are happening. You know what? We are more connected than ever. And because of that, more is possible than ever. And this, the fact that I had five guys delivered to my house, it's just a microcosm of everything that is possible because this wasn't possible six months ago. It wasn't happening in my area. All right. So I'm going to get really serious with you for a minute. Five guys are in and out. Ooh, in and out. <laughs> in and out. Okay, good. I am so I was fascinated. changing it up a little bit. I was letting my hair down. We're getting ready to step out on vacation. I decided to go with uh, five guys.
1: I love the fries in the bag. It's the best. Great. So now I know, and we answered the age old question, what burger you like, what burger joint you like best. All right. So you, you, you served us in the military and you know, you came from a place of service and that's where your business is based on. Why do you think, is that why you think we're seeing a lot of, a lot of military or, or veterans getting into the real estate business? I'm seeing more and more agents and lenders specifically, you know, are do, wh- and why do you think that? I mean, it's great. I love it, right? Um, but I'm seeing more of it now. VA loans, you know, there's not a lot of understanding around them, and there's a lot of education now going on around them. And do you think uh, they're also coming from that place of service? Like you're helping people, and real estate's helping people. Is, is it a similar kind
0: of there's similar kind of thing going on there? Absolutely. I think that there's um, there's a couple things that happen. We get into real estate because we want the independence that we lacked while we were in the military. We want people to leave us alone. We don't want the ceiling. We want to be able to break through anyone's expectations because we've been living within the confines of a bureaucracy, functioning or not, a bureaucracy. And so what happens is a lot of us, like myself, we read the machine gunners, uh, the millionaire real estate agent, the red book which absolutely changed my career. And I read that in my first year, uh, I made one twenty-something thousand dollars and decided to start a team. And I uh, immediately realized there is a, um, there is a direct correlation between the way that a team is ran and the way that a squad is ran and that a company is ran in small unit leadership and accountability. And it all made sense. But then unfortunately what I did was I took that business approach and then I took it a step further and I remembered everything that I learned through war and through combat. And I didn't drop that. And so I needed to shed trauma. I needed to shed war. I needed to shed that mindset of the ego of needing to defeat other people and then truly be able to step into myself as someone who can have a spiritual relationship with somebody and serve the person in front of me. Nobody needs to be beaten. Nobody needs to lose in order for me to win.
1: And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you started your team. And so, you know, when you're in the military, you know, you're responsible for a lot of people, yourself specifically, and, you know, you guys want to get through it, right? So when you have a team, you know, does that drive to help other people succeed? Do you pull that from your time, you know, in active duty?
0: That's one of the best questions anyone's ever asked me truly, brother. I got goosebumps just now. Oh, wow. I what happened that. was through my team, I care about people intensely. I look at everybody that I, that I meet. There's a reason why you and I both pressed our beards together when we saw each other. I love everybody that I meet when I meet them, and they have to prove otherwise to me. And so what happens is I look to my team like they're my tribe, like they're my family, right? And I apologize. I live next to an, air, an airport. But so for me, everything become, became mission critical getting people to the finish line became life or death. You know what I mean? Their success was like a life or death thing for me. And so I became so um, invested in other people's success, not my own that I was tearing my hair out. You know what I mean? And, uh, and absolutely not thinking about my own life.
1: Uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's awesome, dude. I love it. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about, I want to, I want to talk about when you realized you, you had autism and how, because I've been hearing a lot about, you know, I was just, I, I, my whole life I've, I've I've figured I might have ADHD, but I've been tested when I was a kid and they didn't have the ability to really pinpoint it. And, you know, over the last year or so, I've been kind of in a, in a weird place. And so I, and I went and got tested and he said to me that it's, <laughs> the results lit up like a Christmas tree <laughs> And so everyone's saying it's like your superpower, right? And I'm and I'm I'm really thinking about what that actually means, and, and and I'm doing some research on it. So let's talk about, you know, you hear autism. I think there's a stigma, you know, and mm-hmm. you think about kids who don't have any emotions and so on and so forth. And I want to know how that has helped you with your realization and focus on life, and you know, just feel better about yourself and your and your business in general. Talk to me about. What's that done? What that's done for you now that you, because you figure it out, you find out and you're like, it's a relief, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can address it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So congratulations on your diagnosis, your realization of ADHD. How wonderful, you know, now, right? You know that you're a little bit different than everybody. And now we get to figure out how to hone that. So for me as somebody who's autistic, my whole life, I felt like an alien. I felt like I was a little bit different than everybody. It's not that I don't feel things. It's that I feel them so intensely that I have difficulty processing these things. And so my body moves in a way when I'm starting to think about things or I get excited that I've been told, don't do that. Don't act like that. Um, that's not the way people do things. And so I have uh, also have things that I'm very interested in, very passionate at, about, I also love superheroes. We could talk forever about that, but being able to realize that hey, you know what? I'm autistic. My brain does work in a way that's different. Now I can put it to work for me. And the association is, hey, in the 90s, you know when I was growing up, that wasn't even a possibility for me to be diagnosed autistic. It wasn't even a possibility. And so of course there's going to be uh, a negative uh, connotation with it because people call it autism spectrum disorder. And so mm. it's so the the idea is That I am somehow broken and removed from what is normal. When I think that people like me, people like you, have been important throughout history on an evolutionary standpoint for the pushing forward of our culture. I am not typically well received by everyone around me. You know what? That's okay. It's not going to mean that I'm going to stop doing me. It means that I'm going to start finding my people. And so wear it, my brother. Wear the fact that you get to focus on. You have the energy to focus on six to eight things in a day when most people can do two.
1: <laughs> I guess that does make me feel like a superhero. My superhero. My, my superpower is I can focus on 10 things a day at one time even.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. What a beautiful thing. How boring <laughs> would it be to be normal? There are these breakdowns of what's normal. The average person watches four hours of television a night. The average person looks at their TV once every 10 seconds.
1: Oh, I man, I think I watch like one hour of TV a day. That's
0: right. I go home, I watch one show, and I go to bed. I look at my phone too much, though. Hey, get busy living or get busy dying. And the thing is, is our phones are tied to success for us they're tied to connectivity. So it's e- easy to get lost in that, but it's also easy to forget what's right in front of you. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So talk to me about, talk to me about Machine Gunner's Guide to Real Estate, your book, Accuracy by Volume. Talk to me about, uh, talk me about that book, what brought you to write it and you know, what are some really great takeaways and where can people go to find it? Cause I think it's, I think it's awesome.
0: So the book is so long that it is not possible for it to be printed. It's 587 pages. So you got to get an ebook or an audible. Um, it's 21 hours, 22 hours of audible. I full on had a nervous breakdown while I was recording it. So it's like, it is absolute pain and trauma in a book. And there's all this wisdom and everything in there, but it is not edited. It is rough. And so I'm going to tell you, if you want to hear me have a mental breakdown and while giving you real estate advice, it's fun. Brino Brino loved it. He said he gave it a great, uh, great review. It's gotten five stars from everybody. Um, it's different, but I'm really excited to give everyone the next evolution, which is Zen business, mm-hmm. which uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener at war, uh, but we don't have to live our lives in a state of war, of combat, you know, of beating one another. So
1: are the two kind of, in a sense, kind of polar opposites? Because I think, I know, I know that, you know, you went through some tough times. A year or so ago, and now you're you seem you seem calmer, and I would feel like are the two kind of
0: reminiscent of how you were feeling then and how you're feeling now. Sure, absolutely. So the Machine Gunner's Guide to Real Estate Accuracy by Volume is my 10x. It is like how I became successful, and it wasn't balanced. I also break down for you how everything fell apart, and uh, and so Zen Business is releasing the expectations of the peer group releasing the expectations of a business plan and just being present and knowing what you need to do every day and just doing those things and then experiencing work as play and as joy and then seeing the spiritual connection and everything versus getting so removed from it that we're constantly being worried about a bottom line how many transactions have you done How, how much money did you make I and mean,
1: that's, it seems like that's how we're like ranking the importance of people. It's, you know, and the industry does that to you. And, and it's one of those industries where like you can feel less than so easily. Right. You know, uh-huh. like someone posts a picture of their Porsche on Facebook and you and the first thing you do is, Oh my God, I'll never be as successful as that guy. Right. When, when for me, it's like, Hmm. I wonder how much in debt that guy is paying, paying those car payments, because let's think about it. We talk about GCI all the time. We never talk about net. I could spend a million dollars a year in marketing. Right. And I mm-hmm. could have a GCI of 5 million. But after I pay everybody and, and my and pay my taxes, I mean, I'm, is it worth it all? Right.
0: That's right. That's oh. right. And, and then at the end of the day, who are you doing it for? And so I look at these things and I look at the the people driving the fancy cars and everything. And I think, you know what? That's great if they're really that happy, if they're really that good. But a lot of the times the people that are preaching the loudest, that are uh, telling everyone what to do, that have the shiniest toys are a lot of the times that are living lives that are the most out of balance. Maybe their home lives are destroyed. And so the thing is, is I'm not going out there and I'm not preaching to anybody. But what I'm telling everyone is, is, you are the answer to your own problems. You are enough, act like it. We spend so much time being sold, you are not enough. Listen to me, I have the answers. Your ideas are broken, you are broken. If you keep coming to me once a week, I'll tell you what you need to know.
1: Hey, the title of your next book is You Are Enough, Act Like It, by the way. Oh, I like that. Yeah, hey, so you had a very successful team and you walked away from your team. Can we talk about that for a little while? Absolutely. Okay, so um, the team was, was, was big, you were seventh level,
0: right? I was probably fifth or sixth level.
1: Okay, so for those people that don't understand, talk about what fifth or sixth level means real okay. quick.
0: It means that, uh, that I was no longer going on listing appointments other than the ones that maybe I wanted to go on. I was no longer going on buyer's appointments, and so I had a, a couple lead buyer's agents I had uh, a lead listing specialist and then I had uh, a lead transaction coordinator and an operations manager. So a lot of different people wearing a lot of different hats, all doing the things that they are the best at doing so that I could be doing what I am the best at doing, which is make rain.
1: Got it. Got it. So why did you walk away from a very successful real estate team? It's
0: a great, uh, so, uh, it's, It broke apart a little bit before I walked away from it. We still had about 12 agents when I left. But so what had happened was I stepped away from a brokerage, which I didn't necessarily feel like my values were being reflected anymore. A lot of people say that being a minority owner is like letting somebody sleep with your wife. (laughs) So I think that that's kind of an awful way to think of it. But uh, I just, your name is important and you have to value it. And so I ended up stepping away I thought I was going to create the biggest brokerage in uh, South uh, Southern California. I put my name on it. I left the videos out there stating that I said I was going to do it. And what happened was I became so involved in thinking that everyone else wanted to make $100,000. At this time, I had nine people on my team that had all cleared the $100,000 mark. I had a TC that was making over $100,000 a year. And uh, at the end of the day, that's not super important to everybody. I was really pushing people way beyond their comfort level. And, uh, it like how good is good enough. And so what happened was I was living my life out of balance. I was suffering with some post traumatic stress. I decided I was no longer a leader that was worth following. And I stepped away from real estate entirely. And I went and I, uh, first I went into a VA center. Then I went to a great program called Boulder crest, uh, where I got help with post traumatic growth. And, uh, it was amazing and it was beautiful. But it took a while for the lessons to set in, and so, um, and because of that, you know, I fell behind on my bills, way behind. And then, uh, you know, I became twenty nine thousand dollars in debt on my mortgage. But you know what happened when I released the expectation of needing to be successful, of needing to be a good enough dad. I opened four escrows in the next few weeks. I uh, my revenue share took off. And uh for the last five months running, I made enough off my revenue share to cover my mortgage and my car payments. My band started getting gigs left and right. Uh, my book, I had a great guy who's now gonna write the forward for my book because I just decided, you know what? I'm happy now. I'm enough now. What am I waiting for? Uh who's writing the forward, David? Well, uh, this handsome bearded gentleman, uh, Mr. Nick Baldwin. Oh, I heard about him. He's, you got to stay away from that guy. I'm um, super excited about you writing the forward. by the way. I was writing the book. I was on chapter nine, and I was still a few weeks, maybe a month away from finishing, and you released your book, your novelette. Well, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was
1: like a nine-page book. that It wasn't really like a book, David. It
0: was you like, put your name on it, my brother. You put your name on it. And so um, I was really excited about it. You're the only person that I reached out to. And uh, you said yes. And it meant a lot to me. Well, I appreciate that. And it's funny
1: because I'm super excited to do it. And um, I come from a background of, of of writers. I mean, my dad has written a dozen books. Oh, cool. You know, my mom was a journalist. So I'm not the greatest proof uh, proofreader. And I don't use punctuation the right way. But I do like to write. So I'm excited to do that for you. That'll be the... Um, That'll be the, uh, the Zen business, uh, the Zen business book. So Um, my wife
0: is a tremendous editor. Oh, she edited the book. Yeah. Like I'm a great machine gunner, but you know, I need somebody (laughs) to tell me, Hey, shoot that way and don't shoot so much. That's so funny. Tell me about your band. Okay, cool. Uh, so I play in a band called Prometheus and Mama Fancy with the boot band. What's it called? Say that again. Prometheus and Mama Fancy with the boot band. With the what?
1: with the boot band. Okay, okay. Prometheus and
0: Mama Fancy with the boot band. Yep, and uh, and it was born out of a mental breakdown that um, I had.
1: <laughs> the, the
0: name of the band definitely
1: resonates with that, for sure.
0: And uh, and so what happened was, um, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. My lead guitarist is an Army veteran. My sister is a is an, uh, combat veteran of Iraq. Uh, my wife is the daughter of a L.A. firefighter. And uh, my drummer... And, of course, a guy that I work with at EXP, Lord Zachary William James Bach, is the, uh, is the drummer. And so we were all a bunch of activists. We are all, uh, most of us are veterans. And so it started as us just kind of playing to help people out and playing at charity events. And then we started getting bigger and bigger gigs and bigger opportunities. And uh, things are taking off. It's just pure special interest, pure fun. That's super fun. And so,
1: yeah, I mean, from everything you just said about, you know, your family and your wife's family, I mean, you just come from a background of service, which is awesome. And Zach is great. I love Zach. He came to Lab Code Agents Live. You had your baby the same day the conference happened, so you couldn't make yep. it. So, you know, obviously, yeah, you had to see the baby. You didn't want to. Your wife was like,
0: oh, man, i just give, I'll just give birth in the hotel room. We'll, we'll go to the conference. But that's cool. is like that. She's like, you, she even told me at the hospital, she said, you should just go down there. Just go have lunch with Nick. And, and I said, I said, Kate, Kate, it's, it's okay. I said, I missed my son's birth because I was in Afghanistan. I don't need to miss this for work. And, uh, and even though like it's more than work and it's pleasure and it's always fun when I, when I hang out with you, I wasn't about to leave the hospital this time. Yeah.
1: I would have probably not allowed you to, to, yeah. to meet with
0: me. I have a feeling Anne wouldn't have let either one of uh, us do it either.
1: Yeah, you know, Anne would have like babysat literally like the day Anne's my wife for those of you listening. Uh, she's my operations manager for my team. I know that your wife was kind of was your operations manager, right? right. Yes. Yeah, because listen, our wives just know how to do things and we just kind of we we shoot before we aim, David. That's who we are.
0: That's right. She she uh, she grew the team from 6 people. When there were 6 people, she helped 100% of them make $100,000. Grew it up to 28 people. And now it's back to the two of us and I'm having more fun than ever. (laughs) So Zach, Zach, did
1: he, did he take over your team? Because I know when you initially left, Zach stepped in. And so uh, is he running the team that you used to have or did he build up something new of his own at this point?
0: So when I stepped away from real estate and I was at KW at the time, it wasn't like, I wasn't one of those guys who went, I'm going to EXP because blah, 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 blah. I literally (laughs) like, I was like, I'm done with real estate. so, uh, I stepped away from real estate. I was so done that people would call me and say, who should I work with? And I say, you know what? I don't even believe in real estate agents anymore, work with whoever. And so, uh, so I wasn't even taking referrals. (coughs) So a lot of the people that were on my team ended up joining Zach at the California real estate collective. And he stayed at KW for another four or five months, six months, maybe even seven months. And then, um, I ended up returning and I decided to come back to EXP and I didn't know anything about revenue share. I didn't know anything about EXP. David Golden had been talking to me about it. And I just joined with my wife and I. And I was like, we're just going to do this with just the two of us. And it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I love it. I love it. Um, and I always enjoy seeing Zach, too. And he's a big supporter of of Lab Coats. And we
0: ha- like seeing him. So He's yeah, so, so shiny. I, he's what? He's so shiny. How he's he been, is. An Eagle Scout, he's uh, an oh, Air God. Force veteran. I'm a dirty combat veteran, a Marine who cusses a lot, and he's a, he's a great guy, I love him. Oh, can he be more perfect? And he looks like an Abercrombie model too, to top it off. Yep. Yeah, he was all upset because he didn't end up in these pictures that we did at this Battle of the Bands at the Belly Up, and I said, hey Zach, there's so many pictures out there of you, you're gonna be okay. <laughs>
1: I know right so many and he's all clean shaven now he's wearing like suits with pockets he's got his own fan club he seriously does damn good looking guy that, yeah. that Zach he's my he's my man crush man crush Monday I'm just kidding oh so uh all right so let's I just want to you know I don't want to keep you because I know you're going to to Utah but talk to me about what's What's in? What are we going to expect from David after this book comes out? You're going to visit family in Utah. You're living a life by design. Talk to me about. I feel like you're really at peace right now with yourself, and everything is just so awesome. And I can't wait to write the forward for your book because I think it'll make me more zen. Because I I feel I'm anxious all the time, so like I'm never. So talk to me about like where you're going. What what you want to what you want to see for your life in the next three to five years? Just tell me about. what what, what that looks like.
0: You know what? So I would say that I don't have a whole lot of expectations for the next three to five years, because that would be holding a future version of myself, which I think will probably be more enlightened and even better than I am now accountable to this less enlightened version of myself. So I try to just enjoy every day. And, uh, so in my immediate future, we're undergoing a rebranding right now for the Serpa team. And we're going to kind of focus heavily on French Valley, which is where I live. And the only person that we're bringing in is another Serpa, which is my sister and a fellow combat vet. And so it's going to be my wife and my sister and I, and we're really going to focus on serving French Valley, serving the per- person in front of us. Everybody keeps saying, well, what are your goals? You want to do you know 150 a year? <laughs> right. And I said, I really would be happy with two a month because who making that much money in, in my market with two a month who can't survive on that? Who isn't okay on that? Right. That's thriving, my brother. But somewhere along the way, we get lost and we start thinking, oh, if I make more money, then I'll be happy. And so these were my three goals at the beginning of the year. I want to have three three things that that fit into place. One, something that I'm making money off of, which is real estate. And I make money off of revenue sharing. Life is good. Two, something that I really enjoy that I want to make money off of at some point or another, which is writing. And then three, something that I just allow myself to really enjoy that I'll probably never make money on, that I'll probably hemorrhage money on, which is my music. And that's fun.
1: Yeah, I mean listen, the music is is what is that I mean, that's you're gonna play hard, you know what I mean? And you're enjoying it and you know, there doesn't have to necessarily be money in that and it's just something that you would like to do, and that's that you can't put a price tag on that. With your yeah. Zen with your Zen book, why, why can't you publish the machine gun? 536
0: feet. You, can, you can't You can self-publish a book that long? Is that basically what it is? You can't self-publish a book that long. And uh, I've had it to, a lot of people tell me, you should break it up into volumes or take these different pieces out of it. And I'm just kind of like letting that big sleeping dog lie and thanking God that it's not in print because I think that there's a lot of good stuff in it. But yeah. I wouldn't want anybody to live their life by that book because it brought me a lot of pain. And, uh, and so... I think that Zen business, if people wait for it, it's gonna be a lot more of a balanced approach. I had no idea I was autistic when I was going through that. And so I realized that through trauma and I realized it through pain. But now that I know how I'm designed and I know who I am and I have a better awareness of that, every day's fun, man. Every day's good. And so I don't have to wait for three years or five years from now when I can be happy. I'm not sacrificing today for tomorrow. I'm not waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel. Like every day's good. What do I not have? You know what I mean? Yeah. We got to be grateful.
1: Too many people aren't, they, they always, they always want more. And I think it's okay to want more. Right. But like, you know, who do you want more for? Like who are you trying to impress, you know, and and Mm -hmm. just, just be, just be okay with who you're surrounded by. And, you know, I heard a really cool, really cool quote. I mean, you know, the quote, you are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with. Right. But then there's something else that I heard after that, but the truth, truth is like, who are the people you're surrounding yourself with when no one's looking, right? So so many people try to get a selfie with someone they think is important. You know, Mm -hmm. they they try to just kind of like, like wedge themselves into a cool circle, right? right. Those aren't, those aren't the people like the people Mm -hmm. sometimes are the ones that you're not giving credit to because maybe you don't think, they're not as important. Right. But you know, I think that that second part is super
0: powerful. It can be really exhausting uh, being constantly around people that are looking at you. Like, what can I get from this person? What can I take from this person? And I think that, and I'm not saying, Hey, go around being self-sacrificing, but understand the difference between self-sacrificing and self-giving because giving feels good and it feels good for all of us to give. None of us really likes the sacrifice. And so, um, there's this great quote. It says yesterday I, I, you know, I wanted to change the world, but today I'm you know, wise and I only, now I want to change myself. And so I don't really work to go out and try to change all these outside perspectives. I just, I work on me. And when I work on me, I don't really need to consult the five people around me. There's this great principle in, uh, it's called the Bushido, which is these seven principles that the samurai live by. And, uh, it makes its way into Zen business. And one of those is, The true warrior consults no one other than himself. And so you don't have to go around asking people, what do you think? We don't have to become the sum of the people that we surround ourselves with. You, Nick Baldwin, you know inherently what is true. You feel it. And you can raise your level of vibration to such a level that it doesn't matter who you are surrounding yourself with. People are becoming better by proxy, my brother.
1: I'm going to leave it at that. Before I do, I'm going to ask you, what's in Utah? Why are you guys taking the trip?
0: So my wife's family is in uh, St. George. And so uh, we're going to go back out there and uh, spend a couple of days in St. George before we come back. And then I got a back basketball game on uh, Sunday. And then we've got another uh, concert in Idlewild on Sunday. So we keep the schedule full. That's super. So you said you have a basketball game. Is it like a, are you on a league or is it like a pickup game? What is it? It's an adult league and uh, I played in Staples center last year at the all-star game. So it's a, uh, I love basketball. It's always been something that's really fun for me. And so I just have fun, man. Like, could I squeeze another transaction in, uh, if I stopped the band and could I squeeze another transaction in if I stop basketball and if I stopped hanging out with my family so much, could I squeeze another transaction in? Yeah, I can do all these things. But at the end of the, my life, when my kids are grown, I'm going to look back and wish that I had spent that time with them. And you can't print more time, my brother. One of the
1: realizations I had, which really got me more focused on family was, and every now and then I have to be re- reminded, right, was when my, he's now seven, but he was, I think, four at the time. And he said, Daddy, put your phone down. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's just like, it's like a dagger through your heart, right? Yeah right through your heart. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Like, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, my kid is old enough to like realize that he's not getting the attention and I'm going to miss all these milestones. And so it's, yep.
0: it's, it's truth from crazy. the mouth of babes, my, my brother. Yeah. And so, you know, my son says to me, one of his first sentences was my dad, no time. Cause I, when I put on the tie, I take off and say, my dad, no tie. And then, uh, one of the things when I realized that I needed to cool it off a little bit was we were playing charades and I wrote everyone's name down. And, uh, and my son acted like me and he pantomimed like he was yelling and everybody said, dad. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I need to chill out. And so I really like, I try not to yell anymore. I, 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 I don't, I probably haven't yelled in three or four weeks, but I've made, I told my kids months ago, I said, I'm really going to make an effort not to yell anymore because there's no reason for it. They're all individual travelers and nobody needs to be controlled with fear. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah, totally, man. I, I completely agree, David Serpa. It's been so awesome talking to you. I don't think we've actually actually like sat down and talked like this for a long time. I haven't seen you in a couple of years, so this was super fun, and I enjoyed every second of it. And, and 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 if you guys enjoyed it too, and you're listening on iTunes, please review us, give us five stars, make a comment, and tell everyone how awesome David was. Subscribe if you're listening on Pod Pod Podbean download if you're on spotify follow us wherever the heck you're listening and there's a button like that allows you to do something cool for the podcast just click it right um david before before i go tell everyone uh where they can reach you if they have any questions if they connected with you if they're going through you know the same things that you're going through and they need like a, a pick me
0: up where can they where can they reach out to you They can reach out to me on Facebook. That's probably the best way. Uh, You can even text me 951-691-7798. I keep it old school. And uh, at the end of the day, just realize you are enough. Everything is okay. You know what I mean? Stop listening to all the people that are telling you otherwise. Nick Baldwin, I appreciate your voice out there in the world. I appreciate your leadership. You are a a contradictory opinion compared to what everyone else is saying. You're not a yes man. And I I appreciate that you're, uh, you're out there keeping it real, my brother.
1: I appreciate that. And you're probably going to get about six text messages from everyone who's listening. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully it'll be a lot dude, because then we'll know how many people actually listen to this.
0: I'm down to help my brother. I really am. You know, I don't always have my phone on me, but I d- guarantee you, I'll get back to you within 24 hours. And, uh, be- just because, because, this thing stresses me out. I don't, I don't like it dinging on me all the time. And, uh, when you can always be reached, people expect you to be reachable. So, uh, don't reach out to me with your life on the line with two seconds, but, uh, reach out to me and I'll reach out to you when I can. Yeah. No emergencies, please. (laughs) No emergency. I don't do emergencies anymore. I did all those in Afghanistan. I came back. Everything now is peace in the moment. If you're stranded, if your car goes into a ditch, David's not the one to text. Everybody knows that
1: too yeah all right well david listen that was awesome i appreciate you being here donating your time and this is a this was great I, I loved it um and i'm sure everyone will feel the same and there's a lot of different levels for people to connect on so i appreciate that man and have a great time love you my brother uh, I, I love you too dude and i'm excited to write the forward for your book and we're gonna promote the crap out of it and get everyone's zen with us what do you think should we get everyone's zen i love it let's do let's it sounds just, great all right, dude, awesome. Thank you. And uh, everyone, we'll see you next time on Real Estate Rewind.
0: Hope you liked this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.